Facemeyer. I've known him. He's Timothy's, Pastor Timothy's uh, brother-in-law, and so he's got dirt on me too, so I'm not going to say anything about Eli, but I'm grateful for him, for his heart. He's on staff now at Calvary and serving the church, serving the community, so uh, thankful for him. So you guys come on up and you guys sing to the Lord. y'all how are we tonight good we're good good okay we're gonna sing a song tonight called yet not i but through christ in me so it's fitting to sing uh read galatians 2:20. i ain't gonna sing galatians 2:20. it says i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ liveth in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me are we thankful for jesus tonight so let's uh, let's sing this song, Whitney. Huh? Let's do it. This is Whitney, by the way. Right. I should have introduced her. <laughs> She's one of our lead vocalists. of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this I hope, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ. sure the price it has been paid for Jesus bled and 
suffered for my pardon and he was raised to overthrow the grave to this I hold my sin has been defeated Jesus now and ever is my plea oh the chains are released I can sing I am free yet not I but through Christ in me with every breath I long to follow Jesus for he has said that he will bring me home and day by day i know he will renew me until i stand with joy before the throne to this i hold my hope is only jesus Amen. That's a great song, isn't it? Well, I'm thankful now to get to introduce uh, my friend. He was my first friend at Piedmont, and I think I was his too. I think we both felt sorry for each other. We were both 18, scared in a new place. We came from small towns, and there we were in Winston-Salem, and we didn't have a clue what we were doing, and we still don't. <laughs> but I'm grateful the Lord brought me here to Hillsville because he brought me closer to my friend, just right up the road there. I'm thankful for what God's doing at Calvary, what he's doing, and how he's using uh, Timothy. And, uh, you know, like I said, there's loads that I could say about him. There's loads he could say about me. But tonight, I just want to praise the Lord uh, that my friend for all these years is being used in ways that the Lord won't use me, but the Lord's using him at those places. And same and vice versa. And I know this, that we've got someone that we can trust and count on to 
reach the New River Valley there in Radford and the surrounding area. And I know that he feels the same about us. And so praise God that we have gospel partnership, that we can praise God for the work that God is doing in one another's lives, churches and ministries. And we can just praise the Lord together. So Pastor Timothy, you come and you preach the word, buddy. We still got it. And Joe said I was his first friend, and he was my first friend, and I uttered under my voice, you're still my only friend, I believe, right now. So we, we stuck by each other's side, and we'll keep that deal um, where we won't tell any stories. I've got a lot on your pastor, but I have a lot of good ones, too, and I know that he loves the Lord um, with all of his heart, and so does his wife, Cami. And um, my wife's here as well with Lillian. She's the one that's probably going to be yelling dad-dad a lot, you know, as long as she survives here. And I thank my church for being here. And uh, she's got goldfish now, so she might be occupied for a little while. But uh, uh, good. I also have a good friend, Les Cutting, here on the front row. He, lives in, he was with us for a while, and then he moved away. And so it, we, he was, we were close enough for him to come see us tonight. So, Les, I'm glad to see you tonight as well. I love you, love you too. Love you too. Y'all pray for him. He needs to get saved, though, so that's the mission for tonight, so, oh, <clears throat> you know, um, hey, congratulations, you're here on the final night of this week's revival. By a raise of hands, who's been here every night this week? Awesome. Praise the Lord. And yes, yes, very good. And those who are here tonight, and however, I know, you know, nights you were being able to be here, you know, pr- you know proud of, we tell people on Sunday mornings, we're, we're proud of them. It's kind of odd for us to tell adults, I'm proud of you. Um, and someone said, why do you say you're proud of us? Why, why are you proud of us? And I say, because um, it takes commitment to get out, make time, and be in God's house. And for you being here tonight, I want to say I'm proud of you. Much of the world is at home right now, and you're here in God's house, saying we want to hear from you, and we want to worship you as we are supposed to. So for that, thank you guys for being here tonight. Um, I want to tell you a story. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, tonight uh, I can end us well. Um, it's not about me. That's what I've been praying. Uh, whenever I pray, I pray God breaks me down into nothing. So he builds me up. It's just him speaking. So I've been praying for this church and praying for who will be here tonight and how God would want to wrap up this time of revival here at Victory Way. And there's a story of an older woman who went to visit a church. And she went to the usher and greeted the usher and said, I want to sit on the front row. And the usher looked at her and said, no due respect, ma'am, but I'm going to tell you right now, you do not want to sit on the front row. And that woman kind of perked up and she said, excuse me, I know for sure I want to sit on the front row. And uh, she said, why in the world would you say that to me? And the usher said, well, I know the speaker tonight and he's boring. And that woman put her foot down and said, excuse me, do you know who I am? He said, no, ma'am, I have no idea. She said, I am the mother of the speaker. (laughs) And the usher looked at her and said, well, ma'am, do you know who I am? And she said, I have no idea. He said, good. And he walked the other way. (laughs) So hopefully I can keep your interest a little better, you know, than that poor speaker, whoever was there. But it's good to be here tonight to share God's word with you. Um, I'm so excited for Victory Way. I don't just say that. I'm so excited because I know the man that is your pastor, and I know that you're in good hands. 
And I'm excited just because of how he speaks of you all. Every time I talk to him, he's gloating about this church. He's gloating about the individuals and telling me stories about you guys. I'm excited for Victory Way. And something that seems so uncommon today, churches like to build walls up. We should with some. I'll, I'll be honest with you, we should with some. But ones that are of like-minded faith, we should be partnering with each other, side by side, prayerfully, and as much as we can, in encouraging physical matter, being here to say, I'm a, so I want to say to you that the folks at Calvary Baptist Church up in Rafford, yes, us Bobcats, and we have a lot of Cougars from Pulaski County in our church as well. That, that one's harder than a, a Cavalier uh, in our church. But no, for us up the mountain at Rafford, we're with y'all. And we're praying that Hillsville will be transformed and lives will know Jesus through Victory Way Baptist Church. And we're with y'all. And I hope you be praying for Calvary as well. And when you're over our way, we'd love to have you uh, there. Uh, one more story and we'll get into God's Word um, this evening. Uh, there's a kindergarten teacher who asked her students to bring in one item that represents their religion. And so uh, the first uh, student that came in said, Hello, my name is Benjamin. I'm Jewish, and this is the Star of David. The second student came up and said, My name is Mary, and I'm Catholic, and this is the crucifix. And the third boy came up and he said, My name is Tommy, and I'm a Baptist, and this is a casserole. <laughs> So one thing I know is, even though I'm in Rafford, we're in Rafford, and you're here in Hillsville, one thing we have in common is we love casseroles. No, we love Jesus Christ, and we love the God of the Bible, who gave us the Word of God, which is more powerful than a two-edged sword. And I believe that. I believe the Word of God has authority behind it. It's the Word of God directly to us, and we should take it as it is. And so I began after that story of the kindergarten, poor Tommy, he did a really good job representing us with that casserole in class, thinking, what, rep what should represent our faith? Not just being a Baptist, I think he did a pretty good job, but what's the one thing that should represent our faith? I sat back and just kind of scanned the scriptures, and I realized it should be the word worship. And I'm not talking about music. If, if the only thing you consider when you hear the word worship is music, you are missing the point. Music is part of worship. It's 400 verses in Scripture that alludes to some kind of tune, instrument, or song. We're going to be singing. Praise the Lord, I'll have a glorified body and a voice in heaven as I sing to my Lord. Can't wait. I cannot wait. But we've been called to worship. If you open your Bibles... I want to just kind of give you two passages this evening. First one's in Genesis chapter 22, and then we'll spend the rest of the time in Matthew 13. But Genesis 22, I want to show you this very important detail that I think we often overlook. If, a if the word worship is what is supposed to represent us as a Christian, as a, as a follower of Jesus, you are supposed to be a worshiper. And it goes beyond music. I, I can't think of another passage that makes the point that I'm trying to make tonight then Genesis chapter 22, where we have the story of Abraham about to sacrifice his son Isaac. And we all know the story. If you're here tonight, maybe it's the first time you hear the story, and that's fine too. Abraham was waiting on a son from God. God gave him a son named Isaac. And then God tested Abraham's faith. He said, I want you to take Isaac up on the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him. Now imagine that. Us 
Christians who've been in church for a while, and we know these stories, we just read through that story, and we say, well, Abraham did what he was supposed to do. What's the, what's the big point of that? The big point is, that was his son. I mean, that was his... I don't know if you've been watching the news this week, but my heart aches for that pastor that lost his nine-year-old daughter. And when I think of Genesis chapter 22, and God said, Abraham, here's your son. I need you to crucify him. I need you to sacrifice him up on the mountain. And as we look at Genesis chapter 22, I want you to look at some of these details here. Verse 5, it says, And Abraham said unto his young men, his servants, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Did you notice that? Abraham didn't say, y'all stay here, and I'll go on the mountain, and I'm going to crucify my son Isaac. What did he say? We're going on the mountain to what? To worship. What is worship? Worship is obedience. You can't stand boldly and say, I worship God Almighty, if you're not living a life of obedience. You're not worshiping the Lord. If, if you are not obeying every command that He's given you, if you're not following every area that God has called you to go, you say, well, He's called me to do this, but I, I don't exactly think I should be doing that, so I'm going to stay here, but I'm, I'm going to try to do my best. I'll be better church attender here. No. God told you to go there, you need to obey. Abraham did it with his son. Now, I have to chuckle a little bit at this story. Go down to verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Now, how crazy is it for Abraham to go sacrifice his son and make his son carry the wood that he's going to be sacrificed on? And then Isaac here in verse 7 says, And Isaac spake it to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said in verse 8, My son, God will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Abraham didn't say, We're going to go up and, and sacrifice Isaac. He, he didn't tell them, Y'all stay here. I'm going to go play my guitar up on the mountain. We're going to sing a, a little sing-along up there and worship. He said, I'm going to go up and do exactly what God has called me to do. I don't know why he's doing it. I don't want to do it. I'm uncomfortable to do it. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm mad about it. But God told me to do it. And I know that's what's best. So we're going on the mountain and we're going to worship. Not just do what God said, but he said, worship. You know, when we get to the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms says in 135, it says, you'll become what you worship. The idols that you worship in your life, you'll become like those very quickly before you even know it. And then as we get to New Testament teaching, we get to Matthew chapter 22, and, and the Lord said, okay, Lord, if I want to worship you, I've got to obey you. So the Pharisees, the stinky Pharisees, asked Jesus, the smart aleck Pharisees, I should say, asked Jesus to, to catch them, Matthew chapter 22. They say, what's the greatest commandment? So that we can keep it, what's the greatest commandment? When really they were trying to, to trick Jesus or find somewhere they, they, could, they could grab him on. And in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus looked to them and said, The first greatest commandment is to, Lord, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. 
And the second is like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. Now let me ask you a question tonight. Worship is obedience. Jesus summed it up for us. You are to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Do you love the Lord tonight? Do you love the Lord with all your heart? All. What does all mean? All means all. Do you love the Lord with all your heart? You may be sitting here say, in the deepest of your hearts, you may say, yeah, God's calling me to do this. God's calling me to sell this so I can be a better steward. God's calling me to leave this job so I can go be obedient to him over here. It doesn't make sense because I'm making some, so it's a really comfortable over here, so why would he make me do it over here? Or, or God's calling me to, to leave my full-time job, and for some reason, Pastor Joe, he's calling me into ministry. I'll never forget the response of my loving pastor back in the day, very loving pastor. I said, I feel like God's calling me into ministry. He said, really? You? I said, come on, pastor. I thought you were loving and nice. What are you talking about? Do you love the Lord with all of your heart? Do you love the Lord with all thy soul? Is Jesus worthy enough for you to die for him? He counted you worthy enough for for his son to die for you. Now, is he worthy enough for us to give our lives up for him? Which means everything. Everything. All means all. Say it with me. All means all. And lastly, do you love the Lord with all thy mind? How's your thought life been today? How's your thought life been this week? So when we hear someone ask us this question, do I love the Lord? We're always quick to say, yes, Peter was. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Same thing tonight. Do we love the Lord? Do we really love the Lord? Are we loving the Lord with our lives? So it finally gets us. I'm like a Baptist pastor. It takes 48 minutes to get through the intro, and we're finally to the, to the text. I want to land in Matthew 13 tonight. This is where I want to challenge you from. We are to be worshipers. Well, what's worship? It's obedience. Full obedience. Okay? What are we to obey? You're to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And like it is to love others. Those two are connected. If you have trouble loving others, then you must have trouble loving the Lord. If, if God has saved you from the pits of hell, you want others to be saved from the pits of hell. If you realize Isaiah 53 says that he was crushed for our iniquities and he was pierced for our transgressions and he was chastised so that we can have peace and you've experienced that, then you, my friend, should have a heart that every person in Hillsville and in the surrounding area would experience the same freedom and redemption found in Jesus Christ. should be your heartbeat. You cannot love the cross of Calvary if you're okay with sin in your heart. You can't do that. So Matthew 13, so how, okay, progression. Say, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to worship. Worship is obedience. What do we do? Obey? Love the Lord thy God with everything and then love others as a result. So how do we do that? How do we grow in that? I think of the, the prayers that Paul wrote throughout, the, throughout his letters. He said, I write these things so 
that you may grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed to the Father. He said, I'm praying, God, that, they, that others like us today would be one with you and I, just like you and I are one today, unified with us. So how do we obey more? How do we know what to obey? How do we know the Lord more? Well, you get in His Word. He said, you came all the way from Rafford to speak at our revival service to tell me to get in God's Word more. You serious right now? I could have done I didn't have to go to Bible college to tell you that tonight, right? I could have done this thing tonight. Good preacher, get in God's Word. Amen. Let's leave, right? <laughs> Let's just get on out of here. But it's not enough that you're just simply getting in God's Word. James chapter 1 tells us, be doers of the Word, not hearers only. And when you look at James, I know I'm talking a lot of Scripture here before we get to Matthew 13, but when you look at James, look at it in your devotion time this week. And before we get to that familiar passage and verse, be doers of the Word, not hearers only, what you have in the verse that precedes that is, as you approach the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, purify yourselves. There's a preparation that takes place as a Christian, a responsibility that you are to do before you encounter the Word of God. And what's happening in churches all around, the, the, let's say, just in our nation, in our area, people at Calvary, people at Victory Way, so I'm not pointing anyone out, is that maybe, probably, let's say, I'll be generous, one person tonight sitting in this room did no preparation before they came into the house of God. You didn't sit down and pray. Some of you did. But there's someone in here probably that just didn't even think about it. They just showed up, which I'm glad you're here. But God's Word says you need to do some preparation in your heart. Your devotion time in the mornings. Start off with confession. Lord, purify me. Cleanse me away from these things. I want to hear from you. I don't want anything blocking what you want me to, to, to receive today from your Word. There's preparation that needs to take place. And Jesus talked about it here in Matthew 13. He talks about four different responses that people will have to the Word of God. It's the four soils. Y'all ever heard of the four soil parable? And here in the four soils of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus teaches that there's four different possibilities. You can reject the Word of God when you hear it. You can get all emotionally stirred up when you hear the Word of God. You can respond to the Word of God in a worldly manner, or you can receive it, it takes root, and you bear fruit. The problem when we get to Matthew 13 is there's a lot of people out there that think that two of the soils are good and two of them are bad, but I'm going to tell you tonight, that's not what Jesus wanted us to understand. He said there's one soil out of these four that are what my followers should have. That's the fertile soil. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 13 and read these four soils. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 3, it says, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came, and they devoured them up. And some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth. And forwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, and they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns. And the thorns sprung up, and they choked them, but others fell onto good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. 
Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Would you bow your heads and let's pray to the Lord. Father, I pray, God, that I pray that I haven't lost anyone's intention up to this point, but instead, Lord, that I've properly and obediently set up for you to speak to us tonight. Father, I pray in a world that needs Jesus more, that the believers that fill this room, that represent both Rafford and Galax and Hillsville and all the area in between, that, Father, that we would get right with you tonight. And, Father, that our hearts would, would be orchestrated in a way that we can live in obedience. And, Father, I pray for the one individual that will be here tonight and hear this message and know exactly what they need to give up so they can be faithful to you. God, I pray that they give it up tonight on the altar. I pray that they leave it here. And I pray that someone would find that freedom that happens when we forsake ourselves and we're obedient to you. God, you have called us to an honorable opportunity to take part in the work that you're doing to bring more souls to you. So, Father, may your will be accomplished here tonight. May Satan and the enemy not have any influence in this church right now. Let them be out of this room, and let us be obedient and listen to you. For it's in your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. Each of these four soils have enemies. The fourth one doesn't, I should say, because it's the good soil. But each of the first three have enemies that are listed here. And what we're going to do is, we just read verses 3 to 9, but Jesus gives explanations to the disciples beginning in verse 19. We're going to be looking at Jesus' explanation there. Disciples are like you and I, especially like me. Jesus taught them, and he, he looked at them and said, Jesus, what in the world do you mean by all that? You're right? And I, I'm, not the, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that I'm not the brightest crayon in the box. No amen, Joe. I saw it coming out of your lips, right? But here he gives some teaching. And in the first soil that we see is the hard ground. The hard ground. And we have the explanation here in verse 19. That when one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is which he received seed by the wayside. This is the hard soil. There is no earth on it. In the next soil we'll see there's a little earth. This one has no earth. The seeds just bounce off and the birds and the fowl, different fowl come through and they swoop up and they take the seed up as soon as it hits the ground. It goes nowhere. It doesn't take any roots. And what's represented here is, by the birds, is evilness and sin. And see, the enemy is the evil one. Because it says, then come the wicked one. The enemy of this soil, the main enemy of this soil, is always our enemy here on this earth. It's Satan. It's the devil. These are the individuals who, who sit under teaching of God's Word, and they don't, they don't receive anything from it. They ignore it. They reject it. I don't know about you, but every time I'm sitting under someone that preaches the Word of God, every time, I feel convicted. I mean, every time someone opens the Word of God, there's just something about it that I'm like, Lord... I, I'm the, I gotta get better. <laughs> you know, I gotta confess my sin and get better and closer. And then as I teach and I preach and I, I or as I listen, I look at others and I'm looking around I'm like, this is a really good message. And I look around and I look over there and that person's not even listening right now. And I'm like, hello, that's for you <laughs> right there. You need to be listening. 
And then God says, Timothy, now, oh, now. <laughs> it's for you, too. Slow your, slow your horses there. But I look, and y'all know what I'm talking about. You're like, you want, someone said their foot hurt after the last revival. Like, my toes are always hurting around here, right? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, it's, Lord, it's unfair that my toes are getting chomped off right now, and that person's not getting any even touched. What's happening is Satan's got a hold of that guy or that girl. Instead of me saying, hello, maybe I should be saying, Lord, please, please, wake them up. I'll never forget my first missions trip. I was just starting to walk with the Lord. I mean, literally, there was a night. I gave my life to Christ in third grade, but then there was a night before I went into my junior year. I was struggling with anxiety, depression, everything. I mean, I was so mad at the world, and I was sick of it. And I remember sitting in my room. And the Bible's sitting right there on the bookshelf. And I'm like, I'm going to put God to the test. I wouldn't suggest that, by the way. But God was gracious to me during that. And I said, hmm. And for the first time, without someone telling me to, I got on my knees in my bedroom. And I said, Lord, I am so done with what I'm feeling right now. I'm not right and I don't know if you can fix this or you will fix this. But whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Remove anything in my life that shouldn't be there. There's a lot of things in my life at that time that shouldn't have been there. Remove it. I don't care anymore. I want you to fix it. And Father, if you decide to fix it, however you want to, I'll also be who, exactly who you want me to be. And I kid you not, that night. It doesn't happen all the time this quick, but I kid you not, the release off my chest and my shoulders. So I went on a mission trip three, three months later to Jamaica. Yes, I did a mission trip to Jamaica. We weren't on the resorts, but we're where the people were living on the island. And I remember coming to this house, and I was in a group, and I, I recognized the missionaries were like putting, putting a male figure in all the groups, making sure there was protection. While I'm looking, I got my friend Cecilia, who graduated a year before me in high school, and then we've got the missionary's wife, Tanisha, over here. And I'm going around, I'm like, there's no more men in this room. And, and they look, and I'm like, I'm all about saying I'm a man. But in that moment, I'm like, I'm just a little boy. Where's the, what other man's going to be in our group with us right now? I've, I've never been in this country before. And they said, Timothy, Tanisha, and Cecilia, y'all are part of a group. And then Tanisha looked at me, and she said, uh, she, you know, Jamaican. So she said, Timothy, Timothy, do you like dogs? I said, I love dogs. She said, good. So we always get attacked by dogs when we go in the neighborhood. So I'm pushing you in front so me and Cecilia can run the other way. I said, oh, great. Here we go. So we go out and we're surveying the neighborhood because the missionary was playing the church. And in that survey, we didn't really care about their, what they cared about for a church. We were trying to get down to the gospel presentation at the end. So we knock on this door and this young girl comes out and comes to the door, and she has the same response I'm sure all of us have today, is, who in the world is knocking on my door right now? And she opens it up, and she is probably, probably my age now, and, her, and you know, close to 30, you know, maybe in her 20s, and she comes out with this look on her face like, why are y'all here? And she said, yes, just like that, yes. So I went, sweet, she's a girl, and I got two girls in my group, so I went, whoop, Tanisha and Cecilia's got this one. Let me just step on to the back. And as I was stepping to the back, I was relieved. Whew, good thing I don't, have to share the, I don't have to share about Jesus here, and I don't have to talk to him. And I swoop to the back, and I'm sitting there. And as I'm listening, halfway listening, I kind of look up, and that girl just has her head down, not even listening. And I'm, you know, 
I'm going to leave that on to share Jesus, but all of a sudden my pride comes in. Hold on, girl. You're going to listen to us because we're on your porch right now. You know, in that moment, it's just like, good, I don't want to talk. Wait, you're going to listen to them. This is part of my group. We're on your porch. You're going to listen to us. And so I was in the back listening to Tanisha and Cecilia talking. I'm sitting there like, that girl needs to get her head up. What is her problem? So I finally just said, Lord, get her head up. You know, probably not from the best, you know, uh, motivation of my heart, you know, pridefully. But I said, Lord, make her listen. You know, I know she doesn't want to listen, so make her listen more. Make her have to listen to us. And so I'm back there praying and just kind of, you know, like kind of my head down, skipping the rocks there in front of me. And all of a sudden, you know, I didn't think at all I was going to call on because I'm a guy. She's a girl. They're girls. They can just do their girl thing right there. And all of a sudden I hear, Timothy, Timothy. And I said, yes, what do you need? <laughs> Y'all got this. What are you doing? Finish the business. Let's get it. You know, and, and she said, would you like to share Jesus with her? And it was in that moment that my mind was screaming at me, no, you don't know what to do at all, no. But outwardly I was going, yeah, I'll do it, you know, I'll do it. So all of a sudden I get pushed up and I'm sharing the gospel with this girl who never even looked up to us up to this point. I have to talk to to the top of her head. Mad, you know, I'm mad, I'm prideful at this point. I, I start saying, well, Jesus this is what he's done. That's all I remember. And I step back, and I'm like, Lord, that, you just humiliated me. I don't even know what I said. And that girl, whatever, she, she just missed out on the gospel opportunity there. And I get back to the back, and Tanisha's like, and I just hear, I just remember looking down, I hear her say, what do you think? And that girl looked up with a smile on her face and with a tear coming down her cheek. And she said, I want this Jesus and I went Lord why you always make me look foolish every time I do something for you but I'll never forget that I'll never get mad at someone for not listening to the word of God but my response should be Lord work and open their hearts save their soul because instead of us as Christians how foolish does it sound for us Christians to be like Satan's got them what are they doing instead of saying Lord Satan's all over them. Save their hearts. They need to hear the word of God. They need to hear the power of the scriptures that gives and breathes life into their heart. We need to pray for that. That's the first, that's the first soil. There might be someone here tonight. That, that's where you are. You, you've, you, you've been here this week, but you haven't listened to one thing about the scriptures. You haven't let the word of God take root this week yet. Or you could be like the second soil. If you look at verse 20. But he that receives the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word um, and immediately with joy receives it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. You know, back in verse 5, this same stony place, this same stony soil, it says that it had not much earth. And back in the biblical times, in the stony area, it didn't mean like kind of like the edge of the lake that you see where it's just big stones and, and pebbles. I mean, this was like a little bit of grass, a little bit of soil. But with a plant, it's kind of like a weed that grows up, and it's easy. You just pull it up, and the whole root system, it's not very deep, is it? That's what this soil is. There's a little bit of earth. There's a little bit of soil. The, the, the roots have gone down a little bit somewhere, but it's not very deep. And what this one is, This is the 
Um, this is the person who receives the word of God with emotion but no depth. And can I tell you right now, there's a lot of churches that are like that right now. A lot of churches that are pursuing emotionalism. Do I feel good after I go to a service? I don't know about you, but I always feel bad after I leave a service because I'm so convicted by the word of God. But see, but it's received the grace of God through it all. But, but some just want to, the, is the music going to make me feel good today, Eli? Because if not, you need to change your playlist. Are we going to get fired up in this place? Because, you know, whatever we play there, uh, whatever songs that we sing, um, are we going to get fired up because of, you know, whatever the message is, it's going to really tickle my ears like the end times is predicted in God's word? Are we going to hear what we don't speak on that one, Timothy? There's churches that, that claim to, to preach messages. I, I know one church in our area that, that preached through the book of First Timothy. And I said, that's going to be interesting to hear this church preach through the book of First Timothy. Let's hear it. And guess what? They skipped the very passages I had in mind that I wanted to hear from them preach on it. They skipped right over it. They said, we don't need to cover that. It's not pertinent to this series. I said, really? But then they're having pajama day the next Sunday morning. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Am I, Eli? I'm not kidding. Emotionalism. They get so fired up. Yes, yes, we love the Lord. That was such a good word this morning. And then they go home, and they get fired from their job the next day, and they are a wreck. They turn their back on the Word of God. Instead of hearing what the Word of God had promised them and clinging to the anchor of Christ, they're turning away, and they're going to drugs, they're going to alcohol, they're going to addictions, they're going to work more in their next job, they're going to go isolate themselves, they're going to retreat to anything they can to cover up instead of going to the Word of God and bowing their knee before a holy God and say, Lord, how do I get myself out of this? But what happened when you were fired up about the Lord yesterday? The littlest tribulation comes, and that's what Jesus says. The sun comes out and it scorches it dry. It, it kills it on the spot. That little faith that they're hooping and hollering about. Look, I'm all about hooping and hollering about the Lord, by the way. I'm not against being emotional and excited about Jesus. But I'm talking about the ones who don't let the roots go deep. Who dig deep into the Word of God. And so you show up on a Sunday morning, and you're saying, Hallelujah, Pastor Joe, that was awesome. But then the rest of the week, you don't even open your Word of God up. You don't even think about the Word of God. You don't even live out the Word of God. It's opposite. People will know that you're a Christian the most by the way you go through trials. How do you respond during trials? Is Jesus everything? Let's find out. Let's find out. Are you going to trust in him? In the hardest of times. Are you looking just to get puffed up, hooped up, with no depth? That's the second soil. Jesus condemns that soil. And guess what? Guess what the enemy of that soil is? It's, it's the flesh. It's emotions. Our faith is not based in emotions. Any of you ever been um, uh, feeling like, uh, I love Jesus, but I don't feel pretty good right now. I don't feel very good at all. I love Jesus, but man, this is horrible right now. Right? I love Jesus, but I ain't in the mood. That's a bumper sticker. I need to put that one on the back of my, my car. I love Jesus, but I'm not in the mood right now, right? We're, our faith is not based on emotions. Our faith is based on truth. So at the end of the day, when you don't feel like you're a child of God, you open the Word of God up and read that God has paid the sins of all of your life on the cross, and you place your faith in that, and that no man can pluck you from the Father's hand. And that if you remember and you open up Scripture and say, I'm a saint, and that, that God has forgiven me, and that I repent of my sins, that I can still get up. And Christians, we don't fail backwards, but we fail forward to the feet of Jesus. That's the truth. 
You believe in the truth even when you don't feel like you can believe in the truth. That's what God did for us. God's word is true. And oftentimes emotions are roadblocks to truth. And some of you need to hear that tonight. Get past your emotions and say, Lord, I don't feel it right now. I don't feel like I have conquered this sin. I don't feel like that I am victorious now. I don't feel like that I can take a step forward in you. I just don't feel like that I'm honored and, or, or, or worthy enough to be used. I just don't feel it. Well, how about you get on your knees and say, Lord, but I'm going to trust in what you say. And I want to see how you're going to work through me. I want to see it, Lord. I don't feel it, but I want to see it. And Jesus rejects that one too. I don't need emotionalism. I don't need the roots just going that deep. I don't need people that are just going to dance in the puddles of God's word. I need people that are going to head, head first, dive head first into the depths of God's word. And that takes work. It takes devotion and it takes discipline. Well, then number three, third soil. And Joe said I had no time limit. That's his fault. So here we go. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I feel like there's more freedom in a revival service. I love it. And I'm going to tell you right now, that soil number three is, I would, don't quote me on this. Remember, I'm not the, bright, the brightest crayon in the box. Not worth quoting Timothy Worlds at all. I always say the Bible's smarter than I am, and that's what I'm going to rely on. Um, I don't have any theological argument to back this statement up. I'm just, from observation, I think soil number three is the problem with the churches today in our country. Look at it with me and see if you know what I'm saying. Verse 22, he also that received, or received seed among the thorns. This is the thorny soil. Is he that heareth the word in the care of this world, in the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Did you catch that? This person hears the word of God, but he's too busy to apply it. He hears the Word of God, knows the Word of God, knows how to respond to the Word of God, but he's too busy to devote time to doing what God's called him to do. The easiest example of this, I tell people all the time, your Sundays should dictate your Saturdays, not your Saturdays dictating your Sundays. What do I mean by that? Your devotion that you and your family are going to be in the house of God doing what God has called you to be on Sunday mornings, and not just because the pastor is paid to say that, because I believe in it. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Do not forsake the assembling of others, like some do already. That's what he said. And he said, come together to stir each other up in love and good works. But so many of us are so daggone busy that we're going to rest on Sunday mornings to stay home. Not just on Sundays. I don't get on to someone when they miss a Sunday or two in a row because I get life. But some are sitting in this sanctuary. You know exactly what God has called you to do but you're using busyness to distract you from doing what God's called you to do. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I, I read a book last year by Kevin DeYoung. It's just a short little one. Me not being a smart guy, I like short little books. And I read that one in one setting for once, and it talked about how busyness is rooted in pride and hiding. And this third soil talks about, it says it. This person's no good either. That soil of the heart's no good for the word of God to take root in because they're too busy. And I was sitting there, and me on my Google calendar that I switched to a few years ago at the church, I was just so bragging, like, hey, Les, look how colorful my calendar is. I'm a busy man. 
Les says, you want to grab something to eat? Well, let me, check my, let me check my schedule, Les, to see if I can fit you in right there, right? We all do that. You know, or we just don't know we're too busy. No, I can't do that. No, I can't be there. No, I can't serve that. No, I can't teach that. No, I can't lead that. No, I won't do that. I'm busy here. I'm busy there. I'm busy there. Busy there. What are you running from? I had to make the hardest decision. It became an easier decision every time Carroll County girls beat us to death on the basketball courts. But uh, I, was, I had the awesome opportunity to be the varsity basketball coach at Radford for the girls' basketball team. My wife and Whitney was my assistant staff. We had a great time. We had, because of that, I firmly believe, we had, a, we had a, a student, a senior, tragically killed in an accident at the high school. Deer just jumped right into her windshield, and she died on the spot. Months before her graduation, weeks before her senior soccer season. Coming from youth group or work, we still don't know, but she was coming from somewhere in Christiansburg. And I got to lead a service there on campus, Rafford High School, in the auditorium. And the principal literally said, I want you to share Jesus as much as you can. We're, we're letting school out early. She doesn't even go to my church. I thought that was pretty funny. But she called me and said, I, we need you, and we want you to speak. And, I mean, we're right in the middle of state, our girls' team. We need to do a walkthrough and all that stuff. And I said, we ain't, we ain't doing anything in practice. We're going to share Jesus with, with these people. There was cameras and news stations. I called the news. I, I, I called the poor camera people out in that room. I said, you too, camera boy. You need Jesus, right? You, need, you listen to me. Don't be busy looking at the camera right there. I said, you need him as well. But I loved it so much. Man, I loved it so much. The ministry opportunities, the mentoring that we got to do with the girls, and the relationships we had. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting here, and God is over and over again with this four soil saying, Timothy, hello, Timothy, are you all in for me? You all in for me? But, but God, it's a good thing. Did I call you to be a basketball coach? Well, did I call you to be a basketball coach? Well, I'm pretty good at it. Did I call you to be a basketball coach? Well, making a lot of good connections. I prayed with the girls the other day. Did I call you to be a basketball coach? No, you didn't. You called me to be a pastor. Do you love me, Timothy? Well, yeah. Do you love me, Timothy? Do you love me, Timothy? Hmm. I need you to quit the basketball team. But, God, there's a lot of girls coming up that I need you to quit the basketball team. You love your family? Well, yeah. How much time you've spent with them during the basketball season? High-fiving your wife when she goes to be a night shift nurse, passing the baby off. You love your family? I put my resignation letter in. I'm not saying, hey, look at me. I'm not trying to find affirmation in that. There might be a day I get to coach again. I don't know. But what I do know is I haven't regretted giving up something to make myself more available for the Lord. To say, God, here I am. Whatever you want. But I'm not going to let busyness get in the way of me. And it's that moment that I realized that I'll never conquer busyness as God wants me to, until I say no. And not no to the easy things. Not no to the easy things. But no to the things that I'm worshiping that are in the place of God. Want to worship God? You obey God. Want to obey God? You love God with everything about you. Is He worthy of it? Yes. How do you know what to do and when to do it? You get close to God. 
How you do it? I make sure I don't have a hard soil heart. I make sure I don't have a shallow heart, full soil, that the Word of God's not ready to go deep. I make sure that I don't have too busy of a heart to receive the Word of God. But I have a heart that is fertile, ready, plowed up, purified, saying, God, here I am, pour the seeds in, go deep. What you got for me? What do I need to give up today? And Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, break up that fallow ground. So friends, this, this evening, my church knows now, I never close my Bible early. Yeah, I don't know, Pastor, I've, I realize when I close the Bible, mine's closed in the congregation, right? So I'm going to keep that thing open for a few more minutes. Um, y'all, have, y'all have had a revival this week. You've listened to good preaching. I've tuned in from home. I don't know about tonight, but the rest of the nights have been really good up to this point. And... You need to ask yourself here at the end of this revival, in this spring, have I cultivated a heart that really received what God wanted me to receive during these days? Can I leave confidently from this revival service tonight knowing that I'm being obedient? Can I leave tonight knowing that whatever God has called me to, to forsake up to this point, I have left it at the altar? Am I... Am I able to do that tonight? Friends, let's do it. Let's break up that fallow ground. And you know, the great thing is, whether you're a year and a half like my, my girl Lillian back there, or you're 99 and a half years old. I don't know if anyone's 99 in this room. But everywhere in between, God wants you to have a fertile heart so His Word can take root and that He can use you. Be doers of the Word. Be worshipers. Be obedient. And it says the result of this one is you'll bear fruit more than you'll ever imagine. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and, I didn't talk to Joe, I'll let you come up and wrap up, but let me just pray over us tonight. Let's bow our heads, I'll pass it over to Pastor Joe and how he wants to wrap things up tonight, but Father, we love you. I pray God that, pray God that I was obedient tonight. Father, if there's any, if there's anything in this message that I should have never said, Father, let it be forgotten right now. Father, if there's any truth that, that I was supposed to say and that these, these individuals in this room needed to hear and that they needed to confess to, God, I pray right now that we would put it at the altar. God, I pray right now that that one individual that I know is in this room that has been wrestling, their life is not right right now because they've been running from the next step they've called you to do. may not make sense to anyone. May not make sense to family, may not make sense to your friends, may not make sense to your job, may not make sense to nobody. But Father, you called a lot of people to do crazy things, and great was the reward for their obedience. We love you, Lord. God, you are worthy of it all. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.